Welcome to the Insurance Exam Podcast. I'm going to be sharing with you four sample lessons for the Property Casualty Insurance Exam. These four sample lessons are just four of the 24 audio lessons that make up the full Property Casualty Insurance Exam audio lessons course. The full course is 10 hours and 18 minutes in total length. And if you find these sample lessons valuable, please go to the website, insuranceexampodcast.com, and purchase the full bundle of audio lessons. Now let's get on to the sample lesson for today. This is the Property Casualty Insurance Audio Lessons. This is lesson number two, Insurance Basics. Welcome to this lesson about the property and casualty insurance exam. Today, we are going to be talking a little bit about the concept of insurance, what it means to have risk, what underwriters do, what the insured is, and how they determine insurability. So let's go ahead and get started. Once we're done, I will give you a chance to quiz yourself so you can see whether or not you're ready to move on to the next lesson. So let's go ahead and get started. So the concept of insurance has been around for a really long time, and it's based on the concept of the transference of risk. So transferring risk from one person to a larger group of people, you're spreading out the chance of loss over as many people as possible. So for example, ancient peoples used to divide up their valuable shipments into several ships before they sent them. They didn't put all of their valuable goods in a single ship because this increased the risk. If that one ship sank, then they would lose their entire shipment. But if they spread them out into a number of different ships, if any one ship was destroyed or taken over by pirates and looted, then they wouldn't lose the entire shipment. They would only lose that one ship. So it's an, that is just an example of the transference of risk. They're transferring the risk from a single ship into a larger group of ships so that their overall risk of loss was not so high. Insurance companies do this today by spreading the risk over many different insured people. They know that not everyone who they insure will incur a loss, thank goodness. And so they are counting on those who don't make claims to cover those who do make claims. So they're like the ships. Not every ship is going to sink, but the ones that do... Yeah, you have to cover. And then the ones that don't finance the ones that do. So let's talk about the concept of risk as in when we're talking about insurance. It's a very specific definition. So the concept of risk is the probability that a loss is going to occur and that the loss will happen to an insured person. And so a loss that occurs to an insured person is the only kind of loss that can be insured. For example, fire insurance, personal injury insurance, theft insurance, these are all things that can happen to an insured person where they experience a loss of some sort. The house fire starts and they lose their house or some of their possessions. 
somebody steals something from them, they are injured in an accident, so on and so forth. Anytime one of these losses happens, there's going to be a negative effect on the person who has been insured, and there is no possibility of gain. So it's only a possibility of loss. You can't insure something that doesn't have, that has a possibility of gain or loss. So these are insurable risks. Speculative risk means that there is and so we call this cut this we call this first kind of loss pure risk or absolute risk and only things that fall in this category can be insured. On the other hand, we have speculative risk and that means that there is a possibility of loss but then there's also a possibility of gain. So that means that something that this is something that cannot be insured. For example, investing so if you invest money in the stock market or you gamble, you're risking your money. You might make a loss, you might make a gain, but it's not predictable whether you'll be able to do one or the other. You might lose or you might win. Since we don't know that the risk is for sure, this kind of risk cannot be insured because you might end up making money. So it's not a pure absolute risk. So a company has a group of people called their underwriters, that are responsible for determining the likelihood of certain risks and how risky certain customers are. So whether they are a good, it's, whether it's a good idea to invest with these, to extend coverage to these customers or not. So the higher the risk in a particular area, the more it is going to cost to insure against that risk. For example... If you live in an area where there's usually heavy rainfall, the risk of flooding is going to be much greater than a place that only has sporadic rainfall. You don't get flood insurance typically in the desert. But if you live in a, an area where there's tons of rain, then it's a high risk. Flood insurance will cost more where there's a lot of rain than in a much drier area. That just makes sense. Higher risk the more likely they, it is they're going to have to pay out claims against that risk. And so they have to bring in more money to make sure they can stay solvent through all of those claims. So an insured person is simply called the insured. They are the person who owns an insurance policy. So if we just talk about the insured, that is a person who owns an insurance policy. The members of an insurer's family or anyone they are legally taking care of under the age of 21 are also covered with their policies with some exceptions, but your dependents are usually covered by your own policy. So if you have an adult who has children or other minors that he's looking after, they're also covered. So in order to determine what can and cannot be insured, you need to consider the following things. So to be insurable, a loss has to be predictable. It has to have happened often enough in other cases that the underwriters can establish an insurance premium. So they know the likelihood that it's going to occur. So they can say, we need to charge this much to insure against it. And they have their own algorithms that they use to determine what the premium should be. So this means there needs to be enough data about it so that they can determine how likely it is to happen. So if it's something that hasn't really happened before or only happens extremely sporadically, you might not be able to insure against it because there's not enough data to determine what the premium should be. And 
an insurance company doesn't want to go forward if they can't decide, hey, this is a reasonable premium to insure against this. They might end up losing their shirt. So they don't want to do that. The second thing is that adverse selection must be avoided. Adverse selection means that an insurance company gives out a policy without knowing all of the facts. They are missing some sort of pertinent information, pertinent information that would let them know where they should set their policy. The insured legally has to give the insurance company all of the pertinent facts before a policy is issued, or they may be given the policy for the wrong price. So, of course, we want to avoid that. The next thing is that the loss must be unexpected. You cannot typically insure against losses that you know for sure are going to happen at a certain time. So you insure against things like a random house fire, an accident, a catastrophe, something in the weather that arises unexpectedly and causes damage. You can't insure against something that you know is going to happen. So that's another thing you have to take into consideration. Often, so the loss also needs to be measurable. You have to be able to define the loss. For example, if it is a possession or a building or a piece of real estate, you need to be able to know how valuable it is so that you can figure out how much coverage you need for it. So you bring in an appraiser, they tell you the the current value, and you determine how much you need in order to cover it. If someone gets injured, you have to be able to produce evidence about the damage to their body in order to show how much needs to be covered. So their medical bills, whatnot. You need to be able to show how much needs to be covered. Another thing you have to take into account is that the loss often cannot be catastrophic. So if a huge fire comes and wipes out an entire city, the insurance company is not going to be able to cover the entire city at once. So there are some clauses that prevent coverage in that situation. Loss exposures have to be randomly picked as well. Insurers cannot use adverse selection when they are determining what the premium should be. They cannot concentrate their business in certain risk categories such as age, location or occupation. They just have to be randomly selected so that it doesn't skew the data into one direction or another. So that's important. Loss also has to be random. The law of large numbers has to apply. And that just means that out of a large subset of customers in a geographic area, they they have to be able to figure out the probability of how many losses are going to occur over a set period of time. So those are all the things that you need to keep in mind when we're thinking about whether a loss is insurable or not. So I want to talk a little bit about what a hazard is when we're talking about insurance. So a hazard is something that makes it more likely that loss is going to occur. It's in this case, say like a risk factor. For example, if a person leaves his or her car unlocked regularly, this increases the probability that the car is going to be stolen. So that is a hazard. It is increasing the likelihood that something bad is going to happen to their property. So that's something that they could (laughs) stop doing. A morale hazard is another category, and that happens when an insured unconsciously changes their behavior to be more dangerous to be more risky. For example, if a person over time gets less and less careful when crossing the street, the person would be in a greater danger of getting in an accident. So with a, with a vehicle of some sort, 
A physical hazard is a physical condition that is dangerous if you don't fix it despite knowing about it. So, for example, if a person knows there is damage to the roof of his house but doesn't repair it, that increases the risk that the roof of the house might collapse. Say there's a huge snowstorm and the weight of the snow presses down on the roof that's already been damaged and then the roof collapses. The hazard was that we knew that there was damage to the roof, but didn't do anything about it. So that's a physical hazard. Apparel, on the other hand, is something that is either covered or excluded from being covered by insurance. So it's a certain problem that says, hey, this is covered or no, this is not covered. So an insured peril is covered, while an excluded peril is something that is not covered. So typically in your coverage explanation, you'll say here, these named perils are covered and these perils are excluded. And there are different kinds of coverage, though, that we'll talk about that deal with perils in different ways as well. Another term you'll need to know is to indemnify. So to indemnify means to compensate someone financially for a loss, which is what an insurance provider does for those that they insure. It also means that you can only insure something that you have a personal financial interest in. So that means that you can insure your own car. You own or are leasing your car that means that you have a personal financial interest in it. However, you cannot get an insurance policy for, say, your neighbor's car. That's very nice of you to want to protect your neighbor, but you don't have a personal financial interest in your neighbor's car. You don't have a stake in that car. And so you cannot purchase an insurance policy for it because you won't benefit or sustain a loss depending on what happens to the car. If the car is totaled, that actually doesn't mean anything to you. So you can insure against that. Okay, so finally, I'd like to talk about risk management. So risk management is a formal process that seeks to minimize risks. It's a cycle of identifying, assessing, and prioritizing risks based on how risky they are. And there are several different ways that companies can seek to manage risks. So I'll talk about those different categories. First, a company can or a person can try to just avoid risk. A company can choose not to insure certain things that are that cause losses that are too large. So if an insurance company says, eh, that is too risky, they can just avoid it and say, nope, I'm not going to insure that. That is excluded. You can retain risk. So a company can decide that they have enough assets to cover a risk when they're on their own without getting insurance. So they say, uh, insurance premiums are too high for this, but we have enough. So if we do experience a loss, we can just take care of it with our own assets. That's called retaining a risk for yourself. Then we have controlling risks. So a company can, or a person can put in safety measures that reduce the likelihood of a loss occurring. This can include putting in fire detectors or smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, training employees in risk mitigation procedures, and so on. So taking steps that make it less likely that a loss is going to occur. You can also try to transfer risk, and that is what companies do with an insurance company. So they're transferring the risk to another party who is willing to accept the risk. So in this case, they're transferring the risk to the insurance company. And so they have a lot of people transferring the risk at the same time, and so they try to cover each other. And finally, you can share risks. If a risk is very large, sometimes multiple insurance companies will band together to share the burden of the risk. So that 
Once again, you're sharing the risk over a broader field so that no one party is responsible for all of the loss. And as a final note, in the United States, the Insurance Service Office, or ISO, is the advisory and rating organization for property and casualty insurance. They provide insurance companies with data that helps them figure out what premiums to set. So they help the underwriters figure out premiums. There are also state-level organizations that provide such information to those who are within that particular state. All right, so that's a lot of content for today. Let's go back and let you quiz yourself to see how you are doing. I'm going to ask you a question, give you a second to think about it, and then I will give you the answer. And you can compare what you said to the correct answer. If you're doing well, go ahead and move on to the next lesson. But if not, you might want to review what you already learned and so before you move on to the next lesson. The basic idea behind the concept of insurance. What does insurance seek to do? So in this case, insurance seeks to spread risk across the greatest number of parties possible so that no one person or party has to bear all of the risk alone. So that if a loss does occur, then they can band together to cover the loss. So that is the basic concept of insurance. They hope that those who do not make claims will cover those who do make claims. So when talking about insurance, what is the definition of risk? What does that mean? So when talking about risk, it just means that the, the probability that a loss is going to occur whether there was something, someone was injured purposely in an accident or a natural disaster, or really just any other kind of negative outcome. And there are many different categories of risk. So let's talk about that. What is the difference between a pure or absolute risk and a speculative risk? What's the main difference between those two? So a pure risk is one where there is only the possibility of loss. No matter what, if the person experiences pure risk, if something bad happens, then they're going to lose. There's no possibility that their asset is going to gain in value. But with a speculative risk, they might win or they might lose. So let's say you invest money in the stock market. Yeah, you might lose money, but you also might gain money. So that is not insurable. You have to have a pure risk in order for it to be insurable. It's not something like gambling where you can win or lose. My next question is, what is the job of a company's underwriters? What do they do? So the underwriters are just responsible for determining the likelihood of certain risks and then based on that, creating insurance premiums, saying how much they should charge 
to insure against particular risks. So that's a really important job when we're talking about insurance. And the greater the risk, remember, the greater the premium usually has to be. So that's important to remember as well. Next question is, what do we call someone who owns an insurance policy? So someone who owns an insurance policy is simply called an insured. Nice and easy. Just called an insured. And so who else is covered under an insured's policy? So if they're an adult, who else is covered? So in this case, anyone that is in the member's family, anyone they're also legally taking care of under the age of 21 are also covered by most policies, with some exceptions, of course. My next question is, what are some factors that determine insurability, whether or not a loss can be taken on or not? So there are a few different ones of these. A loss has to be predictable. Adverse selection must be avoided. The loss must be unexpected. The loss must be measurable. The loss cannot be catastrophic. The losses, loss exposures have to be randomly picked. And the loss itself has to be random. So those are all different things that you need to consider. What does adverse selection mean? If you have adverse selection, what are we talking about? So in this case, adverse selection means that the insurance company gives out the policy without knowing all the facts. An insured legally has to tell them any pertinent facts so that they don't set the wrong premium. So that just makes sense. The next question is, what is a hazard when we're talking about insurance? What is a hazard? So a hazard is simply something that makes it more likely that a loss is going to occur. For example, if you leave your car unlocked all the time, that is a hazard for getting your car stolen. It's more likely that you will have somebody come and steal or damage your car. So what's the difference between a morale hazard and a physical hazard? See if you can remember that. So morale hazard happens when somebody unconsciously changes their behavior to become more dangerous. Like they get laxer and laxer about safety protocols at work. A physical hazard is when you ignore something that you're aware of that is making it more dangerous. So you have damage already done to your roof. You don't repair it. That is a physical hazard because it's more likely that your roof is going to cave in and cause some problems and some damage that you will need to make a claim for. My next question is, what does it mean to indemnify something? 
So to indemnify simply means to compensate somebody financially for a loss, like what insurance companies do. But it also means that you can only insure something that you have a financial stake in. So you can you can insure your own house, but you cannot insure your neighbor's house. That just does not make sense. And finally, what are the different ways that you can seek to minimize risks through risk management? How can you deal with risk? So you can simply avoid the risk, say, we're not going to insure that because it's too high. You can retain the risk, say, I'll just take care of that myself without carrying insurance for it. You can control the risk by putting in safety measures. You can transfer the risk to someone else by getting insurance or by, by transferring it to another party who is willing to accept the risk. And you can share the risk by bringing in multiple parties to share the risk. And then what is the ISO and what does it do? So the ISO is the Insurance Services Office. And so it's the advisory and rating organization for property and casualty insurance in the United States at the federal level. And they also provide insurance companies data that helps them determine where to set their premiums. So it's a very important organization. And that is all for our lesson for today. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this sample lesson useful and valuable. If you did, and if you want to purchase the full bundle of audio lessons, please go to insuranceexampodcast.com. There you will find both the property casualty the life, health, and various other audio lessons that might help you prepare for a career in the insurance industry or the financial services industry. Best of luck in your studies.